Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane and I have done it again. I have accidentally found a really cool North Dakotan and I had reached out to this guest and when she messaged me back, she told me she was from North Dakota. So I was even more excited. So please welcome Marsha Moran into the fast lane with me today. She is the author of Stroke Forward, how to become your own healthcare or health advocate one step at a time. So welcome, Marsha. Thank you so much, Jane, uh, Sarah. <laughs> well, first of all, she is a former Bisbee chief. So she's from Bisbee, North Dakota. Bisbee no longer has its own school. So when she said Bisbee, I said um, Bisbee Eglin. Is it Eglin or Edgeland? No, it's Eglund. Eglund. I said that right away because that's how I know Bisbee. And so I kind of felt like we had a bond right away being North Dakota girls. So yep. I appreciate that. Yep. Okay. So I normally have a huge long list of questions written down, but I got the questions for you in my head because there were so many that I knew if I wrote them down, I was going to stress myself out. So let's find out what Marsha was like prior to 2014. Tell me about what you did, where you were at, what life was like? My husband's in the military. So we had actually, he's standing over there saluting me. <laughs> so we actually spent, <laughs> and she's saluting you back. <laughs> so we had actually moved to Virginia and that's where he retired. And he started working in the same job that he'd had before he retired. So um, I was, working in marketing, I had my own business and we had a normal life, you know, a house, um, a family of two cats, six birds. <laughs> wow, and you were a workaholic. Yes, I was. Okay, and what did you do um, marketing wise? Are you marketing director? Are you writing ads? What are you doing? So I would go in and help a company change its what, the way it thought about itself and the way other people thought about it. So I did a completely reform of their image, if you like to think, think of it that way. Okay. All right. So pretty typical life. You're working all the time, but pretty standard. Yeah. And then comes 2014. And, and what happens then? So it was a Sunday morning when I woke up and I felt weird. So I texted my friend, Rochelle, to tell her that I wouldn't make it for coffee that morning. And I couldn't read my text. I thought, that's weird. So I set the phone down, I rolled over, and I had the worst headache imaginable. And despite the pain, I fell asleep. And the next time I woke up, I knew I was in serious trouble because I was paralyzed on the right-hand side. And I knew I had to get out of bed and find help. So I rolled myself onto the floor and I dragged myself across the carpet to the door, which was uh, closed, of course. So I had to reach up and grab the handle. And I don't know how many times I reached, but I finally got it and it snuck open a little bit. <laughs> And I had to take a breather because I was so tired and hot and sweaty. And finally, 
I made my way down the hallway and I ran out of gas most of the way down the hallway. And I thought my husband will come up for something to drink sometime. Crash. I don't know what it was that fell, but something fell and my husband came up. He saw me, he said, Marsha, are you okay? And that's the point I realized I couldn't speak. He said, can you talk to me? So he called 911 and looked around the upstairs and didn't find anything. So he came down and sat by me while he waited for the paramedics. Okay, so when you woke up, between the time you woke up and, or, and texted your friend until the time you woke up and were paralyzed, how much time had gone by there? I have no idea. Okay. So I knew that I had texted my friend, but nobody else did. And it's just been lost in the ether. Okay, so was this the worst headache of your life? Oh, yeah, it was terrible. It was like something was poking a sharp dagger right in my head and on the it, left side um it was more right in the middle okay. and all i can say is i hope nobody else has such a terrible headache as i had that day <laughs> did you have any other symptom when you woke up that morning other than a headache did anything tingle or feel odd well i didn't understand what i'd written and if I had understood what aphasia is, that's the inability to communicate, I would have maybe understood that I needed help at that point, but I didn't know that. So I had aphasia at that point and didn't know it. So, okay. so you are taken then to the hospital by ambulance Yep. and you're going through all the scans so they can find out what's wrong. Yes. MRI and CT? Yeah, now I was out unconscious by this point. So they did all the scans without my knowing. <laughs> okay, and what was the diagnosis? A stroke. Where was the stroke? It was uh, just before my left ear. Had you ever had any trauma to your head? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Any history of headaches? No. Okay. So this literally came out of nowhere. Any family history of headaches? Um, or stroke? Any family history of stroke? Excuse me. So my family has had strokes and my mother had um, a stroke at 77. My grandma had a stroke at 79. My great uncle had a stroke. He was in his 70s or maybe the early 80s. So. And you there were 53? 53. Wow. Okay. So they see that you have had a stroke and right. how long are you unconscious? Part of the day. Okay. What is the next thing that you remember? <laughs> Waking up with uh, a hospital gown on, <laughs> a needle in my arm, and my husband was at my side. That was the first thing I remember. And your husband is probably just stressing out to the max this whole time. Yes, but he showed, he was very calm looking to me. Well, good. 
Yeah. Now, when they told him the diagnosis, did it sound grim or were they hopeful right away? So I would say they were hopeful. They didn't say anything negative the whole time I was at the hospital that I remember. Jim, did they say anything negative in the hospital about whether I would recover or not? The only thing negative was about Joe. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's true. So the only negative thing they said was about choking. So when I had my meals, I was, I had fluids and the kitchen sent up a chicken meal for lunch one day. And I thought, Ooh, neat. <laughs> how many days, bite. how many days after are you, are they giving you meat? I think it was two days after. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I choked of course, and I don't remember how they got it out, but the nurse was upset with me. I'm going, okay. How did I know that I shouldn't eat meat or anything? Because I've had a stroke. I have no short-term memory. I have no clue what's going on really. <laughs> Wow. So, so when you woke up, did you remember anything that had happened right away or no? Oh, yeah. I remembered everything that happened up to the point of blacking out. You did. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So how long were you in the hospital? I was in the hospital five days. And what's it like when you wake up and you can't talk? You can't really even swallow what, what, did, what was going through your mind? Are you feeling like a prisoner in your own body? I think, I think I was, I was lucky to be alive. I yeah. think I was, I was thinking I'm alive. Um, the short-term memory was really gone at that point. I don't think there's much thinking that went on. Yeah. Sure. And I say this with complete respect, but if I had not known your backstory, met you for the first time, you, you do not look like you have ever had a stroke. Yeah. Well, it takes a lot of work. So you have to work out every single day. So how long you're in the hospital for five days yep. and I'm assuming you're on blood thinners no. So I had no cholesterol problems. So I had a uh, carotid artery dissection. Oh. And that happens to one, one to 2% of stroke survivors. They don't know why I had a stroke. Really? Yeah. So they put me on... Um, baby aspirin and um, trying to think of the name of it. Anyway, I never went on blood thinners. Really? Okay. So then how, how did they repair the dissection? They didn't. They said that uh, now that it was dissected, I would never have blood throwing through my carotid artery again. Now that proved to be wrong. <laughs> 
I was going to say, how is that going to work? Okay, so fill us in on that. So I went to a chiropractor in November of 2014, and he put me on um, a bunch of uh, supplements. Okay, what month was your stroke? March. March, okay. Now we're... So he put me on a bunch of supplements. He took a blood test to identify whether or not I was allergic to anything. And I was allergic to a whole or sensitive to a whole boatload of stuff. And he suggested that I not eat them anymore. So we're talking eggs, dairy, gluten, soy, corn. I mean, a whole lot of stuff. So... (laughs) I did that. And when I went back for my MRI one year after my stroke, my carotid artery had broke, had opened up again and it had blood flowing through it. Wow. Now it wasn't as open as my right one, but it was open and flowing. I, and I'm going to just make sure I put this little plug in. I had no idea there was going to be a cool chiropractor in this story when, when I got, so it just happens that I'm a chiropractor and here your chiropractor um, finds things that can help you heal. So very cool. So I actually see three chiropractors. You do. Okay. Why? Why three? So I see one because he laser does laser laser therapy to my head. I see one for adjustments and he adjusts me in a way that doesn't crack my back. And I see one that actually, he not only treated me for my um, dietary condition, but he treats me for um, acupuncture. And he, at three and a half years, he treated me with acu, um, I'm sorry, with neurofeedback. And the neurofeedback is important because it allowed me to overcome my aphasia. Okay. So lots of questions here. (laughs) I love that you see three chiropractors because I think it is important to have a team of healthcare providers and not just one person for all your needs. So I really like that you, that you say that. So I think that's great because we all do something different. Yep. So you were in the hospital for five days and then you leave the hospital and how often are they needing you to do physical therapy at that time? So I went to a rehab hospital for two weeks and we did therapy every day. Okay. And that physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy. Wow. Okay. Okay. Full-time job. Well, (laughs) for a stroke patient, three hours of therapy seems like a full-time job. Absolutely. It does. That is for sure. And after that, I went home and had home therapy for six weeks. I had two weeks off, and then I had about two months of therapy, outpatient therapy. And at that point, my insurance was, that's enough, you're you're better. And I went, I'm not really better. So I hired a physical therapist and worked with her for a year before I was, what I say is better. Okay. So when did you discover the laser? So two years after my stroke, 
I met a guy and I was at a networking event and I stood up and I told my story as much as I could. And he came up afterwards and he said, I know a chiropractor that you should meet because he does laser therapy and laser therapy is what I had after my car accident. And when I think about words, it was all fuzzy, he says, but I get laser therapy and all of a sudden I can think about them. That's like, okay, I think I'll try. <laughs> so I went and talked to him and he said, I don't know if I can help you. It's, it's been so long, but I will try. And if after five treatments, you're not better, then this isn't for you. Okay. okay. So I went for the treatment and he put the laser by my head. And he said, okay, now you're going to have to do the cross crawl, which is up and down with your arms and legs, right? <laughs> Just in place? Just in place. Okay. I feel weird, but okay. And after five minutes, he said, we're done. Okay. That day, I noticed that I could speak a little better. Wow. And I went, well, I actually still go see him because um, I think it's important to get um, laser therapy, I go four to six weeks at a time. I think it's important because after having a stroke, I'm more prone, prone to getting Alzheimer's or something like that. So, but laser therapy took care of aphasia up to 40 or 50%. And then I was stuck. So I still had aphasia, but I was better. So after how many, you noticed something after the first treatment, after the fifth treatment, were you significantly better? Um, no, it, it was a gradual process. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So you are now seven years past stroke. Yep. And what is there anything specific that you are unable to do? No, I can do anything. I don't run anymore. <laughs> I'm still a little off. Sure. And so I finally decided to do other things, but I could run if I wanted to. I would just look like a spaz. <laughs> <laughs> and do you... I'm assuming that behind you, I see a ribbon behind you. Is that from one of your paintings? Oh, yeah. Um, so. Oh, wow. So I painted before I had the stroke. Okay. I paint now after I did have the stroke, but I don't paint that well. <laughs> That's very detailed. Yeah. So what are you painting now? Um... I like to paint birds. Okay. So every year at Christmas, you usually get a cardinal. This last year, I painted a bluebird or a blue jay. Nice. Yeah. All right. So you wrote a book 
And it says how to become your own health advocate one step at a time. Were you hitting some walls with uh, traditional medicine when it came to your rehab? Yeah. So I think, well, first of all, the uh, American, no, the National uh, uh, Aphasia Association says that if you're not cured by uh, aphasia by the third month, you probably have it for life. And I didn't like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went outside to see if there was anyone who could help me because you can find treatments that are new. You can try find treatments that are not new, but aren't talked about. Um, but you have to look around for treatments like Um, Neurofeedback has been around for over 15 years, but nobody talks about it. Right. See, and, and being a chiropractor and doing a lot more natural things, sometimes when even you mention stuff to people that they haven't heard of, they're almost immediately they've written it off because they haven't heard about it before. So when you knew that you needed to find something else, where, who was the first person that you went to see? Was it, was it a physical therapist? Was it a chiropractor? Was it a holistic doctor? Who were you going to see to begin with? I think the first person I thought was Dr. Para, who is a chiropractor. And he's the one who has laser therapy. He's the first person I actually heard of that does something different for strokes. And how long was it after? It was three years after your stroke? That was two years after my stroke. Two years. Okay. All right. So you went and saw him and he wants to do the laser. What else is he recommending at that time? Um, he didn't recommend anything. Then how did you find the neurofeedback? So I was already seeing uh, the guy who did neurofeedback. Okay. He started doing it in uh, August of 2017. And after he started doing it, he said, Marcia, I think you should try this because I think it would do you a lot of good. Okay. Okay. I went, neurofeedback, what is it? And he said, I'll give you the address and you can look it up online and tell me if you want to have it. So I looked it up online. 85% of traumatic brain injury survivors who have neurofeedback get better. That's a huge percentage. Yes. And are we exactly, are we not? stroke is extreme. Are we talking about also people who've had concussions or? Yes. So traumatic brain injury is outside coming in. Okay. And I know it's different from stroke, but that is a significant outlier for me because if 85% of traumatic brain injury survivors get better, then maybe I could get better. Absolutely. Okay, so tell us about neurofeedback. What do you do? What do they do? What's the testing? What's, what's the procedure? So in neurofeedback, you sit there and you do nothing. <laughs> what? So yeah. People are gonna think, so, how is this working, Marsha? Okay, so a neuro- neurofeedback machine is about the size of a smartphone, but it's thicker. And there's five ECGs that come out of it. So you have two positive, two negatives in the ground. And the chiropractor um, gets some, I call it K 
cat spit. It's wet, it's sticky, it's <laughs> gritty. <laughs> and he puts her in her head and uses that to affix your leads. He turns the neurofeedback machine on and it is taking one one hundredth of a AAA battery and pulsing that amount of electricity through your head. And so it's so small, I couldn't feel anything. Are you listening right. to music or anything? Or are you just sitting there? Uh, I'm just sitting there and just talking with the doctor, you know. And I'm looking at the computer and I'm seeing my brain waves on the monitor, but I'm not feeling anything. And I'm going, are you kidding me? <laughs> Is this really doing anything? Right. So I will tell you after I left that day, I was better. After 16 sessions, I could speak like I do today. So yeah. it took three years. Like what, are, what were you, how was your speech with before those first, in those first three years? So in the beginning, my speech was sometimes non-existent. So it was like, I have two people in my head. There's the one that hears what people are saying and it's, it knows exactly what I want to say back. And there's the stuff that I can say sometimes, right? And the kind, kind of stuff that I could say got better with time, but it was still limited, right? Wow. After I had laser therapy, it was less limited, but I still had two people in my head. So I still couldn't say what I really wanted to say. And when I got to the point where I wanted to work again, I found out that I, could, I was fine at conversational language, but when I went to talk deeper, I couldn't say things that were really meaningful to me. Well, and you, but you can write, like if you need to say something, you can write? No, I couldn't write either. So when did you start writing again? So I started writing my book a year after my stroke. And you have to understand that I would take a day and I would write two paragraphs because I couldn't remember the word maybe I couldn't remember how to spell the word. Yeah, it would take, and then typing it, <laughs> I couldn't keep my right hand in the right position. So a lot of times I'd have to backspace and try to retype and it would turn out wrong. So I'd have to backspace again and retype. So it took a long time to write things too. So could you use a pen and write notes to your husband, like messages, if you couldn't talk? Yeah, I, I can, but I didn't. Okay. Wow. Wow. Like, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around, <laughs> because it, it, when you're saying that, it sounds like there's someone in your head, but you can't convey what you're saying the frustration level of it had to be crazy. How was yep. your anxiety? Did you have any depression? Did you have any of that after this? I did not. So again, I was really happy to be alive. And I look forward to 
<laughs> my first goal, I wanted to run a 5K on my first anniversary. Holy. <laughs> no, I didn't make it. Yeah. So I made it. Well, I'm going to do it on my second anniversary. I didn't make that either. But working towards that, I had to work out every single day. And although I didn't want to some days, I still did it. I think that's really important for people who've had a stroke because you have to keep trying. Even though it doesn't feel like there's any movement, you have to try every single day because eventually you might. Mm -hmm. You easily could have just became a victim to what happened. Yeah, but absolutely. You, you like you took it head for, I mean, you took it head on. Yeah. So is that just, was that your personality beforehand? Like you were just going to succeed and that's just who you are? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that has to be, you're, it has to be mind over matter at that time because you had to work. You just said you worked out every day after you had a stroke. I'm yep. sure I know a lot of people who have not had a stroke and don't work out three times a month, Yeah, you know, so that's, and I'm not judging them. I'm not saying anything bad, but I'm saying this is, this is a big feat. Were you giving yourself credit for everything that you were doing? Yeah. For the big things and the little things. So when I started walking, I couldn't move my arm either. So I thought about walking and my husband would take me outside and I'd think, lift your leg up, move it forward, set it down. Okay. And eventually I could remember to do that and it worked on its own. So then I thought, move your arm forward and back, just swing it. Okay. And eventually I could do that. And the thing I was most proud of is I could snap my fingers <laughs> eventually. And I was so proud. It's like, <laughs> now it's such a small thing, but it was so important to me. Mm -hmm. I love it. I don't know why. I assume that you had to go back to your medical doctors and be evaluated. Mm -hmm. And what are they saying when they see your progress? They actually were quite surprised. I remember going in and having an MRI and the technician said, holy crap. I went, what? And he said, well, I'm not supposed to tell you anything. I said, tell me anyway. And he said, it's so big. I, I am amazed that you're doing the things that you're doing. So it was like this, which is about the size of a quarter or more. So I don't know how big someone is supposed, I don't know. It just seemed that it doesn't matter to me, the size, as long as I can get around it. And it didn't matter how long it took. I was still going to try. So the quarter was the size of your dissection? No, no. The quarter was the size of the, the clot in my brain. So, oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. That's the, a, a quarter is the amount of uh, brain damage that I had about that size. Okay, okay. Wow. So I don't know how long it takes to get that, but it was, I guess, pretty big. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then you wrote your book and Uh 9.9 out of 10 times before I have someone on, I read their book beforehand, but it worked out for us to get together now. So that's, I will read your book after the fact, after we chat, but tell us a little bit about the book. Well, I wanted to write a book about myself and how I got better because I know that if there's something out there that I could read, I wanted it. So when I got out of the hospital, the first thing I read was a book by, um, I can't remember her name now, but she's a neuro, uh, neuroanatomist and she'd had a stroke and she talked about how she got better. I'm going, that's awesome. I'm going to get better too. Now I'm saying that I had to reread it so many times because I'd read something. I understood it. As soon as I closed the book, I forgot it. (laughs) But there's that. And also I wanted to tell people how you have to go through and figure out on your own. So Jim didn't know anything about strokes and he didn't know anything about advocacy. I didn't know anything about advocacy. We had to learn everything from scratch from day one. So every day it was like, oh, I needed to know this. Oh, I needed to know that. So the way I look at it is it's at least a primer for if you are in the hospital or your husband or wife or other loved one is in the hospital, at least you have a starting point. That's great. So what would you say to the average person who has never dealt with anyone that has had a stroke? I would say um, if you're just meeting someone and it's obvious they've had a stroke. Okay. I would say be kind. Mm-hmm. Um, be considerate. They may, may want help. They may not. Mm-hmm. So ask, can I help you? Um, I guess it's most important that you understand stroke signs. So you are aware that if you're having a stroke or another person is having a stroke, you need to get to the hospital (laughs) fast. Just that worst headache of your life. That is a red flag. Yep. And what else? So, um, fast. So is your face drooping? A is arms, is your arm or leg weak or not able to go as high as it usually goes? Um, S is for speech, is your speech slurry? T is time, it's time to call 911 if those things are happening. Okay. So in your case, and that didn't even mention the headache. So in your case, all you had was that piercing headache. Yeah, except I had aphasia and didn't know it. So if I had known at that time, oh, I can't read what I write or what I wrote, I think something might be wrong. Sure. I would have at least gotten to the hospital sooner. 
So then when your doctors, are they just telling you that this is just something spontaneous that happened with or they couldn't explain why, or did they give you yeah. any type of reasoning? No, they have no idea why I had it. Wow. Yep. So when, when you come in contact with someone who has recently had a stroke, yep. in order to have a conversation and not, um, not be rude, can you ask questions? Is it stressful for them when you ask questions? Do you talk about normal stuff like the weather? What, what would be appropriate or inappropriate? So we have a stroke group that meets once a month at the uh, rehab hospital that I went to. And I got, go often enough. Um, in fact, we meet on Zoom now because of COVID. <laughs> but we are there to one, show that it's possible to be back to as good as you can get, whatever it is. Two, we're not there to judge. So if you're there and you can't do anything but just sit, that's okay. We understand that you probably can't speak. Um, so we're there just for guidance, I guess. Okay. Do you have any words of wisdom for people? I do. So if you're a stroke survivor, never give up. You can get better six months after, 10 years after. It doesn't matter. It's just keep going on because you don't know how long it takes to get something back. Sometimes they're going to be a medical achievement that they discover. Maybe you're going to discover something that's available now, but they're not talking about don't give up. And for caregivers, take care of yourself first because you have to be there for a long time. So eat right, exercise, take time off for yourself. Um, just have, have a life for yourself. Well, you are definitely inspirational thank you and a fellow north dakotan so i love <laughs> well good thank you so much for sharing your story today oh man yep thank you sarah Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.